Good morning over here and good afternoon over there. This morning's, this afternoon's, this evening's is titled Transarma. So the idea of transcending anything, uh, my understanding is, and I didn't check with the with Webster uh, just before I came on, but it's to go beyond, to transcend, to, tra to transcend, to trans over, to cross over, to go beyond. So karma is, uh, just to set our parameters here a little bit, karma is a Sanskrit word that is now used all over in the West, uh, quite often misused, but used in the, uh, in the particular reference in which someone is using that word, it might be totally correct. So karma means uh, action, uh, Sanskrit. And, uh, and I think I read when I was looking up looking it up a while back it's like it's, it's included in one of the 10 most used words in the west <laughs> using karma that much won't be long and they'll be using uh the other three the buddha the dharma the sangha if we have anything to say about it and we do a little bit slowly a little bit at a time so the idea of transcending action is a little fishy a little difficult but the way that I talk about this is to be uh, encourage people to be a minimalist, uh, keep it to a minimum, to be a, a uh, to be a radical, do a radical form of meditation rather than a, than an accomplishment or gaining idea form of uh, meditation to to take it take it right down to the simplest possible situation there is, which is uh, just to be on receive because stuff is happening everywhere in your mind and outside your mind, apparently outside your mind, apparently inside your mind. <clears throat> excuse me, things are coming and going. And to just observe that uh, particular milieu is uh, is enough. You don't need more than that. And then it is, if you're doing that, if you're just on receive, then it is more, it is much easier for you to see the way in which you have this, uh, this very subtle meddling with everything. This very subtle, eh, I don't want that. Uh, I want more of that. Less, more, less, more. Or uh, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to look at that anymore. And as you hear me say constantly over and over again, uh, to be aware of that situation and to see that you don't have to add your little spice rack to it. You can actually receive whatever's happening. The, the difficulty with it is when we're receiving what is happening, what we're receiving comes through the consciousness, the, the, uh, the com completely complicated uh, consciousness that is, uh, that is constantly challenging us or agreeing with us, or ignoring us in terms of a passion, aggression, and ignorance. So, and so, therefore, we begin to feel that we are someone having some problem in some life, or having some success, or having this and having that. So, we tend to go into that. We tend to reinforce that. We tend to tend to tend to. We tend to keep going, pushing, pulling, and buy into what is called materialism, a belief in the the relative nature uh, of of the world and reality. So the idea of transcending that is to begin to see that there is a much deeper, much more, you could say, authentic aspect of consciousness. Uh, it, it's, you could even say, I, I could say, it's even consciousness itself without particularly any movement. So to see that deeply, we begin to uh, release our hold on certain aspects of our thought patterns. We still see them. They still arise, 
but we're not quite so concerned about what happens there. We just notice that arising and falling or having kind of a pulse to it. Sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's easier. And we're doing less and less and less with that all the time. We don't give it any kind of energy uh, by pushing on it, any kind of energy by agreeing with it, any kind of energy by doing anything with it. Even uh, Trungpa Rinpoche would say, just accept in his early teachings back in uh, uh, at uh, Tale of the Tiger, Karmay Choling in the early 70s was still talking about just, just accept that. He even used the word uh, disown and boycott things. I don't agree. I don't disagree either. I, I think there's a there's a place for that kind of activity. But I think it should come out of each individual's consciousness how much it's going to be helpful for them personally to actually boycott something, or how it's going to be how it's going to be really fundamentally even necessary because of dependent origination to actually disown just disown that. Where there whereby there are others who who need to do not do anything with it. Don't meddle with it at all. Don't don't disown it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away. Those are the three poisons in the proverbial uh, nutshell. That's a that's a tall order. Uh, when we come into this world with all kinds of uh, activated uh, charcoal, all kinds of activated uh, energy, and uh, either blazing flames or all the fuel for any kind of flame you get close to. You get close to something and suddenly you erupt in flames I mean, without even knowing, what's this about? Why, why do, around this person or with this dynamic, why do I suddenly feel this rage or this, uh, or this sadness or this, de- or this depression, this depression, this depression? Terrorizing, my friends, in your mind stream are not yours. There is no one. The fundamental, ultimate truth of it, there is no separate being anywhere. But what an incredible illusion we have before us here. It's astonishing. I'm not saying shut down on it, look away from it. I'm saying, I I would even go the other way, say enjoy it. Enjoy this uh, brief flash of existence out of the void and into apparent reality, because it's not going to last. So the less you meddle with it, the more you can just... Uh, and I hesitate to use this word because it sounds uh, it doesn't sound like things I usually say. If you could just be with that, you don't have to be with anything. Just stop resisting things. And, and how do you stop resisting things? You see the way you keep objecting or resisting. That's actually the the open the key the key to seeing how to stop that in a way that is soft, doesn't create further eddies in the stream doesn't doesn't create further kinds of more hidden rattlings behind the woodwork that continue to keep our karmic dis- dispensation on the move into more and more confusion, more and more uh, insanity. It seems it's a sitting practice of meditation, as at least as I teach it and as others teach it, sit down, hold still, and watch the craziness, simply put. Watch the, the way we object and agree and all of that. And uh, as I said um, uh, early on, the uh, Vidyadara Trungpa Rinpoche uh, would, was encouraging people to boycott things or disown them or had, had some kind of a way of working with it, what I, which I feel is not particularly necessary. might have been necessary that with the people he was talking to in that particular climate or he was just getting used to the West. He wasn't quite sure. Uh, when he ran into all those crazy intellectuals uh, that uh, were quite enamored of him, he, I think he learned a lot from them because they, uh, uh, as uh, Carolyn Rose Gimeon, one of his early students, said that 
he paid attention to those people. He paid attention when they says when they when these people would say, "Well, that sounds that's nuts." When he started to teach in a traditional way, well, that that, that doesn't make any sense. So he had to bring his, the teachings in and line it up with the culture that he was addressing. In other words, my way of saying that that is meet everyone where they're at, meet everything, including your own mind where it's at. Don't object to your insanity. Don't object to your visions of whatever. Don't object, don't agree, don't look away. Those three, a very simple formula. And that also don't agree with it. Don't, uh, don't, don't uh, resist it. Don't do nothing. And the path to doing that may be a whole lot of uh, being aware of the subtle conclusion that you're, you're against that. You don't want that. You don't like it. Nothing wrong with that. We don't, we don't really want to suffer, but you may have to uh, take the path of most resistance. Maybe choiceless. Maybe choiceless. So you might see this and that and this and that. And there might be fifteen choices, and the and the the one and but where you look straight ahead, the direct, the one that is direct, uh, may be might be the most difficult. But that may be out of your awareness, not out of your thinking mind, which evaluates: is this good for me? Is this bad for me? We do that constantly, and I'm not saying some of that wouldn't be valuable. There are some situations where that's the only thing that's going to work. Is uh, where's the nearest gas station? Of course. But there are other situations where you really need to look directly at what is arising in the mind and notice that things that look like choices are actually sidetracks from the direct uh, situation in front of you. So the idea of transcending karma or going beyond beyond karma might be a little <laughs> far-fetched, but, but we may need to take that kind of an attitude in order to understand that we need to start right here. Start, as they say, as it says on uh, Pema Chodron's book cover, start where you are, which is a, <clears throat> goes without saying, you can't start somewhere else, but we try to, we start to, we try to start in another Start to change something uh, to something else. And there are also teachings that'll say, uh, that'll teach just the opposite direction because they are endeavoring, like in Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, one of the slogans there in that incredible uh, book that's uh, over a thousand years old, I think, uh, is uh, change your attitude. Change, just change your attitude. If, if things, if, if you're in a blitzkrieg, change your attitude and relax as it is. Because if you change your attitude, and don't replace it in, with anything, then what is there? Space. And space uh, f- uh, feels like, uh, it can It can feel like bewilderment. It can feel like just, oh, no, oh, no. What do I do now? I've, I've stopped fighting with myself. <laughs> now what do I do? But the interesting thing that what happens when there is that basic bewilderment of just completely being uh, uh, lost in the darkness uh, as soon as something starts to show up, we immediately go back into picking and choosing uh, and to decision making. And how does that show up? Of course, it shows up as confusion. Uh, basic bewilderment is not confusion. It's just ignorance. But then when, when any kind of glimmer of anything starts to show up in that dynamic, we start looking for right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, successful, and unsuccessful. We immediately go into a kind of materialism. 
<clears throat> that causes the whole thing to spin. And of course, the very name of that spinning is samsara, the constant turning, life and death, life and death, life and death. It's an incredible illusion. That's why we're so terrified of death. Although we may say, well, I'm not afraid of death. Everything dies. And we have this, this intellectual cover-up. It's like a thick layer of goo. Well, it's not, I wouldn't call it goo. Let's call it a thick layer of cement blocks. That's better. All exactly perfect, perfectly chiseled. They've been polished. They've been stamped. Approved, 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 approved. Concepts, concepts, concepts. The wall of concepts, uh, though it, it uh, provides a powerful stepping stone for materialism and for even deeper or more profound levels of conceptual evaluation and conclusions, it still is a cover-up. The fundamental truth is not a concept. Though we may have to use concepts to point to it. <clears throat> so the idea here of transcending karma, let's uh, do it very simply. Something arises, no comment. Something falls away, no comment. Something disappears, no comment. At the same time, you're going to notice thing, you're going to have a little comment like, uh, where did that go? That's a comment. Uh, something arises, I feel pretty good. That's a comment. Something arises, uh, I don't feel so good. That's a comment. That is how you perpetuate the ongoingness of the wheel. Gaining and losing, gaining and losing. <clears throat> and to the practice of observing, of just watching things come and go and come and go, you eventually... You could say you recondition yourself, uh, you re recondition the open dimension of being we call awareness, I'm calling awareness, uh, to neither accept nor boycott, nor ignore, nor dispense with, nor uh, any kind of uh, opposition to it. It just comes and goes. It can't find a person. It, the personhood uh, may still be there, but it's an illusion. So therefore, because if you've gotten rid of the personhood, then then there's another success story we have to deal with. But the personhood, the ego, the nar the narcissism, the seventh uh, consciousness, as is uh, d defined in the eight consciousnesses of the Yogacara tradition, <clears throat> it's unreal. Uh, it means it has no substantial uh, quality to it that could that necessarily requires objecting, that necessarily re requires agreement, or necessarily requires uh, uh, ignoring or turning away or distraction. This takes time, takes time to do that. And each person is dealing with a, a different level of causes and conditions, your own particular karma, your own particular style of being, uh, uh, being um, confused, your own particular style of being um, bewildered, uh, has to be dealt with uh, directly. And no one can do this for you. Uh, you. You need to, when I say you, I'm saying whatever's listening, you need to do this yourself. And how do you do that? Our formula, the one that's been around for 2,500 years, the one that, that I'm uh, involved with is the, the teaching of the Buddha's Dharma, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, and the community of people who are learning.
if you have some and if not i can also continue to talk there's there's some on uh the live chat yeah a couple questions on youtube one from susan in traverse city is another term for transcending karma burning off That's pretty fishy. Uh, uh, transcending is bad enough, but uh, but burning off sounds like you're getting rid of something. There's nothing to get rid of because it is not a separate thing. Funda it's ultimately not separate. It just relatively looks like something. So not attaching to it by grasping, not attach it to it, because any uh, pushing is an attachment. You're attached to getting rid of it. Uh, if you if you burn it off. Uh, that sounds a little fishy. I'm not saying that that couldn't be a way of looking at it, but uh, the 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 burning uh, area is uh, I would I would say probably that's all right, but I'd be very sus sus suspicious of getting rid of anything. Uh, change the change of your dynamic, your relationship to it uh, seems to be. Uh, that's why we use the word transcending. You're going, you're fundamentally not even going beyond it because it's unreal. The self is unreal. The karma is unreal. Everything is completely unreal. And the path to that uh, is the sitting practice of meditation through the, the structure of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha to see emptiness, see this, everything is empty of anything you impute or think. It is empty. And then uh, depending on what school you're talking to or what teacher you're talking to, then you're not done yet because then we get attached to the emptiness. Shoto bowing. Does transcending karma include karma? It would have to. So the bewilderment you're talking about uh, does feel very different from the confusion, intellectual confusion of not getting something. Yes. But uh, what do we do with that though? There is still a recognition of that bewilderment Yes. But what do we do then? Uh, well, you know, the, the bewilderment part is there, there isn't any, it's like it's, it's, there isn't any reference point. So it's, a, it's very aligned, very close to fundamental awakening itself. So the bewilderment, uh, because it's so open that we don't know, we don't have a, there's not even a choice showing up there as something to uh, decorate the room with. You know, it's just, a, it's, it's not only an empty room, there isn't any room. And so the openness is vast, but if there's a self, if there's a spark of me, me, me in that space, it's going to be bewildering. Just like uh, when this body mind goes back into the, into the elements and, and uh, awareness doesn't go anywhere. There could be, if there's strong karma going on, then you'll just think you're still alive and you'll continue to wash dishes in an imaginary room. But if there's a, if there's an understanding of what this is, you have that flash of uh, emptiness. It's called, uh, it's the uh, clear blue light of the void in the, the, the Bardo Todol, the Tibetan tradition. That's one way of saying it. You see, it's so intense. The Tathagatas are so intensely brilliant that if there's any self-centeredness left, that that will frighten you back into grasping, rejecting, ignoring. Just a simple way of talking about it. Probably doesn't happen at all. Just a way of talking about it. We need to talk, so we're going to talk. I'm talking. I talk all the time. Can't really shut me up these days. You know, best way to shut me up is ask me a question. 
wall bowing. How does how does one purify uh, bad karma? Bowing. Just look at it. Just just look at it. No more reaction. If you do anything with it, you create a, a, a loop. Create a loop. As soon as you act on it, uh, this doesn't mean that we don't have rituals that have to do with purifying. We don't have rituals that have to do with uh, sending uh, kindness and love and light into uh, into the void or into towards others to help them. So it's not saying we don't do anything at all. But there's another uh, teaching called threefold purity, which things are already pure. Uh, no, 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 uh, there's no, uh, no giver, no receiver, no gift. Things are already completely uh, transcendent. It's already happened. This already is the other world. It's just a way of relating to it so that you can see you can, you, you can be awake now. <laughs> it's possible. Or you can continue to sleep and it's not particularly like, particularly a choice. It's rather choiceless, which is a, another kind of choice. And if you don't understand, ask me questions and I'll confuse you further. Teresa Bowen, how can we not comment on what's moving without the aggression of trying to not comment, Bowen? That's how you do it. It's called a practice. So just, just watch that. Eventually, that, that uh, what you're calling is the aggression of trying to not comment. Uh, you'll notice that eventually you, the, the, you'll continue to comment, but you'll just be less and less aggressive. Um, and it, why the reason, if you want a rationale, the reason that happens is that when you do sitting meditation, you're holding the body still. That's the maximum uh, support uh, that the aspect of your mind called open space or consciousness only, it gets. If the body's moving even slightly. I don't care if it's mudras or mantras or whatever is happening. It tends to fill up that space that is uh, that is uh, authentic, that is just just authentic presence. And so you'll have to watch the, the aggression for a while, but keep doing it. I'll help you. Keep just keep looking. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't be tricked into the 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 wiles of uh, ego's uh, desire to stop and start and control and. It's like, here, I'll, let me help you with that. We'll give you a special mantra. Don't misunderstand. I'm not against uh, anyone who's giving mantras to students. But if they are, there needs to be a teacher there to help them understand what that mantra is about. William, uh, William Murray has a question. William. He asks, and I just lost it. How do we change our attitude? Wow. You know, I, I could give you a, I mean, William, you already know this. Uh, just stop doing that. Just just go in and just stop with whatever attitude you see there. Just change it to something else. It, it's just, you know, there's 59 teachings in a teacher's seven points of mind training. And some of them just will never, there's some in there that will never work for you, never make any sense. And I'm speaking from some of them that I, I, I can't even, uh, if, uh, if um, Detcha and Susan Piver ask me to talk about this particular, that particular slogan, I probably won't decline, but I might might not do a very good job of teaching from it because I, I don't really, I don't really relate to that in, in a way. 
But change your attitude, relax as it is, is pretty simple because everybody's changed their attitude at one time or another. But usually they replace it with another attitude. And that's the teaching part of this. Change your attitude and then relax into whatever shows up. Because if you relax into whatever shows up, it'll if the, if the attitude is uh, gone, it'll just be space. If you're a meditator, if you're if you're meditating once a week, probably not. You're going to have to do a lot of this. Sometimes I hesitate to tell people how much, but they find out if they want to come and live at the monastery, they find out how much I'm interested in people doing sitting meditation. Uh, you're required to sit six and a half hours a day unless you have a really good excuse, like I got to feed my dog or, you know, I have a sore foot. Or that other one, I have a job, <laughs> which I probably will be a, let you go do that insofar as they let you do anything. Yes. Go ahead, please. Uh, you talked about changing relationship and changing attitudes. Yes. That sounds like uh, trying to change something yeah. and trying to fix something. Yeah, it does. Well, that darn Atisha, you know, he he wasn't living in this century uh, where we, you know, he they were still trying to fix stuff back there. So I'd have to give uh, Atisha the benefit of the doubt. But there's a little bit to that. It does sound like trying to fix something. But, you know, uh, you may, there, that might be the only thing a person can do. So it's just that's why there's 59 slogans instead of three or eight. So that might be one that that maybe resonates with one person, as I was saying earlier, and may not with someone else. But yeah, it's definitely trying to fix something. But meditation is trying to fix something. It's just as a minimal a way as possible. So you're sitting down and you're rather than trying to fix it as changing your attitude, you're sitting down and saying, what is this? You're actually willing to look at the basic issue, uh, the problematic situation itself over and over and over and over, day after day, week after week, month after month. And as far as I'm concerned, year after year. I started meditating formally in 1973. Not telling you that as a credential. I'm just saying, whew, takes a long time. Thank you, Valley. Thank you. A few more questions from YouTube. Very good, please. From Shane in Virginia. Because of my karmic relationship with my father, he tends to make me angry. How do I right practice that situation? I've come up with letting him know when that Vajra comes up. Is that transmutation? No. No, you, you're asking me, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm assuming you're uh, fairly young, but I can't tell for sure. But I would say, shut up. Shut up. Stop talking to your father. Just receive. Just listen to him. And and when you have difficulty, I'm saying this without even knowing you. I'm just telling uh, the reason I can tell you is I had a father. I had a stepfather. And he was uh, out and out mean. Just receive. Uh, he, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. You don't know what you're doing uh, uh, fundamentally. But what you could do is you just receive. Just listen to him. Comment on what he says lightly. Uh, uh, one way is... Uh, uh, one way is to lie to him. And I'm not kidding you. You won't hear this from other Dharma teachers because they say don't lie. I say, no, you might need to lie. And you could say something like, 
yeah, dad, I or dad or whatever you call him. Yeah, dad, I, I kind of see what you mean. And you don't see what he, he means at all. But you might have to do that in order to soften that situation a little bit so that there is a possibility that some kind of space will open up. So there may be three years from now, some possibility of communication, especially when he's on his deathbed. And now he has a son who actually uh, listens to him because the karma that brought him transcending karma, he wasn't able to do that. Here you are listening to someone who's telling you about that. Not that I'm so wonderful and not that you're so great or not that he's so terrible. Just receive, just receive. The greatest form of generosity is to give everything your attention. And how do you do that? Receive it. Give it. Let the world come to you. When you go out towards the world and try to change it or do some kind of Vajra, whatever, this is confusion. I don't care how elaborate or how many uh, red threads you have around your neck. Don't meddle with anything. Receive. Uh, imagine the kind of karma that possibly your, your your dad has gone through to even get to be a person who uh, feels like a strong obstruction for you. I'm not even asking you to be compassionate because I don't teach that. But receive, just receive. And, and, and the other way, if it's so difficult, if the abrasiveness of being around him is so difficult, then limit the time you're with him. Uh, you, have, you have quite a bit of say-so about some things and not about others. You might not have any say-so about the interchange, but you can do a short term of just receiving. See what you're saying, Dad. Yeah, that says, I don't quite get that, but, you know, see what you're saying. Or however that may show up in your interaction with him. But then split. And again, lie. Whoops, got to go. Get the hell out of there. Break that. There's something called the four karmas. You could study them or not. But the last one is destroy. And it doesn't mean kill. It means break the connection. Break the connection before things go get into a uh, into a difficult uh, uh, aspect of warfare or something that you can't get out of without creating more and more what karma. Thank you for the question. It's a good one. It's one I happen to know quite a bit about. Ian. Ian, darling. Ian. Yes. Yeah, so. You know, I'm, I'm not at a point where I'm meditating six and a half hours a day. Um, so do you have any suggestions on just observing like while, while at work or you know, that, that sort of thing? I, I don't I don't teach uh, meditation in action. I don't I'm not against it. If you want to do that, then go ahead. But I, I practice it for 30, 35 years myself. And I, I my my way of teaching is based on uh, my my life. And not on what I've been told. I'm not ignoring what I've been told, but I don't believe everything I've been told, even by my my guru, because my guru is situational. He came into this uh, into the West, being trained as a tulku in the ancient Tibetan tradition, and was uh, not treated so well there. Treated great because he was taught, but also he was uh, put upon by his teachers quite a bit. So I would say to you. Rather than do meditation in action, just do as much sitting meditation as you can. If you can't do six and a half hours, of course, most people can't. Even the people who live at the monastery come up with reasons why they can't do that. And what do I do with that? I say, okay. Because they've entered the form, which means they want to do that. But then when they tell me why they can't do it, then I let them go. It's called communication, communication, communication. You have to meet everyone where they're at. You can't, you just make somebody follow a form. That's a, that's a, a crazy macho tradition from ancient Japan or Tibet or whatever. 
We don't need to do that anymore. People are intelligent. I respect people's intelligence. They didn't come this direction because they wanted to make excuses about not wanting to meditate. They came because they want to meditate. And yet all kinds of things could show up that would cause them, including you, Ian, why you can't sit. So try to schedule yourself. Sit. Try to get in an hour a day minimum. And if you can, do a block sit once a week. Uh, and there's one at the monastery twice, uh, once a Thursday morning, once a Thursday afternoon. You can tune, tune in on Zoom and have uh, people right there uh, sitting uh, in real time. And you can you can get that four hours will help you a lot, especially the last hour of the four. Last hour and a half to that four, because it gets pretty damned irritating to sit there and do nothing but look at a wall for four hours. And so that brings up the very aspect of uh, very uh, aspects and um, brings up the temperature and the qualities of the ignoring aspect of your mind in particular so that you can see them more clearly, not comfortable, but you can do it. Start with a bell, bong, four hours later, hit the bell again. And if you're not familiar with what I mean by, what I mean by block sitting, you can, there's a YouTube there. I gave a talk just on block sitting. You can take a look at that. And if you have questions, you know how to reach me. Thank you. Thank you. A question from Mary in Petoskey. Mary. How do we attach to emptiness, Valerie? So the idea there, I think, I think Mary's coming from uh, what I said earlier, that you can, uh, you can see that everything is empty, empty of your imputation of your belief. And, uh, and then if you, if you, if that congeals into some kind of philosophical idea that everything is empty, uh, then this is a misunderstanding. But there are whole schools of thought that do that, that actually believe in emptiness, that the fundamental teaching, the ultimate teaching is everything is empty, that there is no solid anything anywhere. And, uh, I disagree. And the way in which I disagree is, uh, uh, how can I describe it? I don't think that's right. <laughs> how else can I explain that? It's incorrect. Uh, I could go on and on, but it's not. But going into it as right and wrong is a misunderstanding. And that's why it's so easy for someone in that area, a whole lineage of teachings to actually lock down on something because it makes it easier. You don't have to look any further. Anytime you agree or believe anything, end of exploration. And there is no end to this, including emptiness. The concept of emptiness is just meant to help you see that anything you think about anything is empty of what you think about the thing you're thinking about. There's no way you can possibly fundamentally, ultimately know anything. You can relatively know, but ultimate, no ultimate knowledge, otherwise known as wisdom, is not about stuff. It's not about ideas. It is just fundamentally uh, has no relational relationship dynamic there unless the unless one comes into that space, then it's all about relationship. So you can lock down on it by by uh, having um, thinking you've gone quite a ways. This is pretty good. The country's pretty good here. I know we're not to the lake yet, but why not just camp here? You know, if we go any further, what if we can't find the lake? Silly, uh, simple, uh, silly kind of a metaphor, but it's like that. Uh, you, you can't go any farther. If you can go farther then why stop with some kind of conclusion about the nature of the 
Alia Vijnana or the, 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 the Alia itself or a particular or Buddha nature. That's under the third turning teachings. It also is some kind of a conclusion conclusion. More questions if you have them. Sanshivai. If a person is no longer separating themselves from things, what happens to resistance? Bowing. You get to blame everybody for everything. It's still there. Uh, there still could be resistance. The particular karma that brought you into this world is the same karma is going to take you out of this world. But while you're here as a physical manifestation, a, a living being, in your case, with a baby and a husband and a, and a monastery, you live in a monastery and, you know, the, that, that may come and it may go. It may it might go on and on and on. But the point of understanding there is not about getting rid of anything. It is about seeing that there's no solid being, there's no solid self or other. There's just the energy itself arising in relative space. So there's no, there's no, there's nothing to fix, nothing to correct. Whatever, whatever occurs is, uh, it's just, it's just what is occurring. You don't even, you might not even make that comment. Well, it's just what it is. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't have a comment on it particularly, unless you were interacting with someone who is, uh, uh, dealing with their difficulty, their neurosis, their confusion, as you do as a as a therapist, you do that all the time, and that's why I tell you all you have to do is receive. You have to fix anybody. If they come in and they want to be fixed, tell them you don't do that. <coughs> or you might say that's going to take a while. You're quite a mess. <laughs> they might even have a sense of humor. You don't know. You know, in some ways, having uh, uh, not being at the monastery and not being just on YouTube, but being able to see people's faces, it helps me I'm much, much more able to lie because I can see who's kind of who's believing my lies and who's uh, thinks that what I said is suspect. <laughs> it's interesting. You flash on everybody's expression at once and they have no idea you're looking at them. Like if I, I, I respond in a certain way, I'll look right at Yume. And then other people, as a, now you must know, I need to look at Wendy for this one. <laughs> you guys are starting to get paranoid, are you? <laughs> Kevin Bowing. Yes, Kevin. Uh, so, Kuzana, I recently read a quote by, I think it was Zigar Control Rinpoche, who said that in meditation, when we feel the fire of not doing the habitual thing that is the fire that burns the seeds of negative karma. It's a little florid, but I, I wonder what you make of that. Is there some something there or is it too acquisitive no. bowing? No, I, th I think, uh, you know, Zigar Conqueror Rinpoche, anything he says is, is a teaching meant to, but he's also a teacher who has students and so students can interact with him around that. And people that aren't students of his can just consider it for whatever they want. Um, I, I wouldn't use that. Uh, it looks too much like this causes that and causes that. And then uh, we get locked into some kind of causation, which is getting closer to, uh, you know, biology and science and chemistry and psychology. And, <clears throat> and I would rather uh, uh, kick you right off the cliff immediately. 
context of say working with addiction when we really might feel that we need a little bit of something to hang on to is it okay to lie to ourselves like that in the way that you might lie to a yeah. difficult relative yes oh absolutely thank you thank you thank you it's always about awareness it's not about not lying that's a that's a I mean, it's taught that way in the 16 precepts. Don't kill. Well, you can't help but kill something. You know, that's the first uh, grave precept is don't kill. Well, if you're going to eat something, you're, if you're going to live, you're going to kill things. And then people come in and say, well, I don't need anything at, uh, unless it ha uh, doesn't have uh, uh, has eyes or, you know, it's just a bunch of baloney. It's, it's tiring to hear that kind of philosophy going by very intelligent people that have no mind training. They're just... They're trying to sort out how to squeeze happiness out of relative truth, out of this world. You can't do it. The very nature of this is what the Buddha said 2,500 years ago. Life is suffering. He wasn't, he wasn't, that wasn't bull. That was uh, coming from someone who had looked deeply into the nature of uh, existence, non-existence. So th therefore, I would say yes. I mean, you'd just be aware that you're that it's uh, untrue. The thing that makes a uh, lie dangerous is when the person even telling the lie is somehow justifying that with uh, and and hiding the that it's a uh, uh, hiding its true nature. Now, in the case of Ian's dad, that's a different situation. Then you need to work with that where it's at. Eventually, Ian may be able to tell his dad about that, uh, but probably without without Ian's dad not to comment on Ian, Ian or Ian's dad because they know don't know either one of them. Shane. I thought it was Ian. No, it was Shane's dad. The angry dad. Oh, now I'm getting all confused. Okay. See what you've done to me? You've taken advantage of an old man. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it was Shane. It was on, uh, was it on YouTube? Yeah. It was. Okay. Uh, apologies to Ian and your dad. Uh, Ian, yours was about the length of meditation. So, <laughs> okay, back to the question. So, the yes, it's about awareness of the lying. It's about awareness of of that, not necessarily stopping it. Just being aware that you're doing that. And of course, uh, lying is not a good idea. Killing things is not a good idea. But there might be things dependently arisen where, because of uh, your life, because of your wish to be with all things and your wish to fundamentally help uh, uh, situations, you may have to interact with that situation in such a way that might be. Uh, might show up as uh, incorrect or breaking a precept or something like that, possibility. <laughs> Shokabang, what is the discomfort that arises when uh, we're given an instruction like lying and we're doing it and we... Uh, yeah, what's the discomfort there in lying to somebody? <clears throat> well, we don't we don't want to lie. So, and and I would say this is just a way of looking at it, so that you're not locking down and 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 obeying. It's not about obeying. This is not the Ten Commandments. It's about having intelligence and approaching those. So, I'm not saying that's going to happen very often. Maybe once in a once in a great while. But to be locked into always telling the truth, you can really hurt somebody. You, you don't you don't help someone's karma by being honest. I'm going to be so honest with with you. I'm going to tell you I I think you're crazy. I think you're insane, and you're hurting me. And I don't want to talk to you. I don't. I'm not. I'm not proud of you as your as my father. You know. I mean, you might have to 
work with it in a way. So, so I would, my response to you would be, you're not clear what you're doing. If you're, if you're, if it's this context where you're needing to say something that is untrue, you're all about you and not wanting to be a liar rather than all about really wanting to help someone else. You're a fully ordained monk. Your only goal should be to save all beings. And if it's to protect some kind of a, uh, get some kind of insularity around you as a being, you should be able to lie and kill people from now on in order to save beings. And I'm not kidding you. Well, maybe a little bit. But you know what I'm saying. You, you need to you need to be responsible for your feelings. And, and the responsibility does not mean blame. It means the ability to respond to the feeling itself directly rather than some kind of overlay of right, wrong, should be, shouldn't be, and all the other uh, textures that show up in uh, the materialistic world of right and wrong success and failure, the eight worldly dharmas. Save all beings, my friend, my dharma friend, my Kalyana Mitra. Others first. Others first. I couldn't do this if I was trying to be a wonderful, uh, successful dharma teacher. Wouldn't happen. Teresa Bella. Yes, Teresa. It seems like that the more I sit, the more negative karma I'm stirring up. What's going on there? You just, if I may say it this way, uh, my since you're asking me the question, my response would be uh, is uh, that you're you're uncovering the stuff that you've been sitting on that you've been able to cover up. So you just start doing sitting meditation. Eventually, all the doors are coming off their hinges. The attic is going to uh, collapse into the first uh, story, and the, the basement is going to start climbing up the stairwell into your life. You're, you're going to be able to see all of the stuff you've been avoiding, and it's not easy. And, and it doesn't stop. Uh, if you were to attain Anutra Samyak Sambodhi, the garbage does not stop. The only thing that's different about it is that because you're still incarnated, the only thing that's different, there's no solid being that's concerned. So that's why you're on receive all the time. Anything that's coming towards you, receive. Anything that's going away from you, say goodbye. If even that, just watch it disappear into the distance. No comment, no acceptance, no rejection, no distraction. These are the three poisons that keep us tied into a self that is willing to take other people's lives in order to survive. And willing to destroy people in order to continue to have power like we see Examples are everywhere, it's just especially in this last number of years. It's just extreme all over the world. People, people that are have no no consideration for others are only uh, increasingly and intensively self centered. Onion, go ahead. Onion, go ahead. Um, you said in response to um, Senchu's question. Um, about what happens to resistance. You said the same karma that brought you in will take you out. Yes. So how does that how does that match up against the title of your talk, Transcending Karma? Um, I don't know. Probably more. <laughs> well, here you, you show up here and uh, causes and conditions brought you in here. You have a certain body, you have a certain um, health situation, and there are all kinds of uh, Karmic things are interacting with with you all the time, and and things uh, will come to a conclusion because the body mind can't last. But who you are, uh, who you fundamentally are, uh, 
is uh, if the if it's true, we'll, won't be affected by it unless you think unless you believe that you're a body. If you believe whatever you believe is true or believe is false is going with you when the body mind collapses and the the consciousness is why some consciousnesses continue to be uh, uh, wandering ghosts and some consciousnesses go immediately into the light. Just a way of talking about it. We don't know if there is anything at all. More. Uh, not on that, but another question in regards to Kevin's questions. On yes, go ahead. Mind. Is is at the base of a lie some truth? It couldn't be a lie if it didn't have truth to it. So <laughs> what are? But what standard are we applying when we think we know what's true? So just self-centeredness and completion or conclusion or. This is what conclusion looks like. It just blocks your further investigation of anything. But but it's also it's a very individual situation with each person and your particular karma, your particular causes and conditions. And this is why we can't just follow orders. We can't just follow the the ten the sixteen precepts of the ten commandments. We, it has to be it has to be some movement in there so that we can see that situational. Sometimes the the, the person. The situation is more important to protect that person than to uh, literally follow that that concept or that uh, a precept. So it's changing all the time. This is why we need to live out of our awareness rather than out of our our belief or our conclusions or following some kind of uh, uh, standards or setting up standards for anything. This is why it says in the sutras, don't set up standards. We we set up standards uh, for practice, but they're always very uh, they're movable. We, we see that that doesn't work, as, uh, as Suzuki Roshi said in, back in the 1960s. Uh, we set up a, a form, and then we then we align ourselves with that form day after day. And then if, if that we decide that form because of other things happening, that form needs to be changed. Then we we change it, and then we follow that form. Is someone else online or on? Uh, Zoom that had a question. Thank you, Brian. There are more questions from YouTube. Go ahead, please. Josh in Kalamazoo. In relation to karma, how are just observing and curiosity working together and or in contrast? What should I do when curiosity arises? <clears throat> Now just enjoy yourself. Curiosity is just investigation. How does this work? How does this work? You know, like taking apart uh, 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 a nuclear reactor. I'm sure you've done that. You know, it's just about taking apart something and seeing how it works. It's kind of a deconstruction. It's fine to deconstruct. It's when we take the deconstruction and then uh, attribute certain kinds of artificial or laminated or meaning onto things. That tends to get in, in the way of what it is. It's just a part. It's don't take it personal is the way to say it. So the curiosity is fine until it turns into some kind of interrogation. So, yeah, go ahead. A question from Ivan. Can the teacher guru transcend karma for the student? No, although it's uh, uh, unless the 
unless the teaching person has have, has a really strong understanding of uh, of karma, then then he, she, they are not going to be able to fundamentally help the student, fundamentally help the student. They might help them relatively in some ways, but they also because if they're not if they haven't understood that themselves, then they'll they'll project their lack of understanding onto the student and try to and, and maybe get in the way of their liberation. Possible. Not saying that's going to happen. But that's why I say you need it. I think you need a teacher. Just my idea of it. But you shouldn't settle. Don't 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 settle. If 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 you're if you have doubts about the teacher, not your teacher. Go somewhere else. Look around. Don't do anything unless you have to. If you don't have to do it, why do it? Don't meditate unless you have to. It's not a it's not a promotion. There's no advertisements or anything. So my way of saying that is I endeavor insofar as I can from my understanding of doing this for a long, long time and having two different teachers from two different lineages that I really needed. I I, I owe them when I say owe them, I don't owe them anything. It's not separate. But I would not be doing this if it weren't for my interaction with those two uh, amazing human beings. <clears throat> so you may be able to, hard to say, you may be able to find somebody, you may not, as Nagarjuna, or Nagarjuna said in the first century, uh, one of the first Buddhist jokes I really uh, can't stop laughing at, as uh, you may attain enlightenment and you may not. It's just absolutely hilarious. And that was in the, that was 2000 years ago. A question from Andrew in Traverse City. How do we transcend materialistic tendency and still thrive in the modern world, such as progress in a career? Yeah, it would do both. You know, set it aside, figure out how to do that. I'm going to be talking about that pretty soon. I think uh, uh, Dechen Susan Piver has asked me to talk about Kevin, what is that? One of the slogans uh, that has to do with the the, te the the teacher, the teaching, and the livelihood situation. I can't remember which one it is, but I'll be talking about it. I'll look it up. It's, yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm going to tell you one sec. Okay. So, yeah, you can you can do it. It's just a matter of looking at it and saying, well, see, I need to do this. I need to do that. You don't have to be a monk. Uh, and even if even the people who are monks still work at different jobs, some of them are are you know, spend uh, half a year uh, uh, concentrating on practice and some people and go away and work for other periods of time. So we just do the best we can. We don't have a society that fundamentally, uh, um, no pun intended, fundamentally funds uh, the, the spiritual path, especially for a non-theistic spiritual path as this one is. The theistic Ones are, we all know they get all kinds of uh, support from their uh, fundraising and so on, or alms. Kevin Bowing, the, the, there were two slogans, 45 and 46, which are take on the three principal causes, the teacher, the Dharma, the Sangha, and pay heed that the three never wane. Mm -hmm. 
gratitude towards one's teacher, appreciation of the Dharma, and correct conduct. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anyway, livelihood will show up in that one. Uh, uh, the idea of how to how to how to generate a, a basis so that you can actually uh, pay attention to the teacher, pay attention to the teachings, and uh, have a sangha or community. Uh, question from Shane Thompson in Virginia. Shane. Can monks understand everything is empty and still be awake to that aspect of ultimate truth? Yes. That's a real head scratcher, isn't it? As I think I said before, and I'll say it again, just in case there, the head scratching might go on too long. Uh, it's the attachment to everything is empty. Not, not the, the understanding that everything is empty. The when, it, when an attachment starts happening, then one is starting to um, be attached to a concept, idea, structure. But someone can see that and, and be clear. See emptiness, that, that is. Teresa Bowen, you've mentioned before that there is a certainty to realization. What is that certainty, <clears throat> Bowen? Uh, if, if you see there isn't anything else, then there's, there's nothing to be uncertain about. So the certainty isn't a relative certainty of a certain, I'm certain that it's day because I can see the clouds. Or I'm certain that it's night because it's dark and I can't see the clouds. That's a relative certainty. Ultimate certainty doesn't have an opposite. You're, uh, you're, it, it has an opposite somewhat, but even that is you're certain about that. You realize that the certainty of your uh, of that your past confusion is not separate from Buddha nature is also a certainty because there, there's no uh, you don't have an idea. I used to be confused, but now I'm really awake. That, that is gone. All polarity uh, vanishes like the imprint of a bird in the sky, as it says in the sadhana of Mahamudra by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. It just goes away. And so then there isn't anything but this. And it's, a, it's, a, it's called Mahamudra, the great gesture. Zogpa Chempo is a great perfection. And if you see it, you don't have doubts about it. Even the doubts don't have doubts. So doubts will come and go, but they can't find a doubter. Everything comes and goes. Chickens, mice, lizards, choo-choo trains, on and on. It's a great parade. And you get to watch it. You lucky guys. <laughs> Chisho. So for a bodhisattva, does the bewilderment get replaced by something else? Bewilderment? Uh, bewilderment? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, bewilderment. It's like we have to go into the bewilderment in order to see that it's not separate from liberation. 
Yeah. So the, the the samsaric being, the person who's trapped in the in the karma, has not transcended the karma. They keep trying to get out of the bewilderment and get into the uh, picking and choosing, and then make the right choice so that they can be a, a successful banker or whatever. I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just saying we go back. We try to get it out of relative truth, whereas the bodhisattva, if he, she, they uh, begin to become bewildered, this the next. Uh, uh, you could say the next or the that that is not separate from liberation. It's not exactly the same as that. And it's not exactly different from that because it is an open dimension that if there's no one there, then it's just the truth. But if there's someone there, then there's a problem and we've got to figure out how to solve it or get somewhere or uh, get away from the bewilderment. Uh, Herbert Gunther, uh, a scholar and translator, uh, who taught at a university in uh, Canada. I can't remember the name of it. I met him uh, <clears throat> in uh, at the first session of Naropa Institute in 1974 and uh, took a class from him. And he referred to that as bewilderment errancy or, or be bewilderment. He said that there is bewilderment. So therefore there, you, you can't, your the errancy is, uh, you can't be correct about anything because everything, uh, so the downside is the you can't you can't figure anything out. But the upside is uh, maybe you could see that deeply and see that see it as dependent origination or see it as a uh, emptiness. Good question. Contemplate that for three more weeks and ask me again. Kevin Bowing, sometimes in the context of the Paramitas, I've heard it suggested that when one is bewildered by the spaciousness that arises from generosity, by embodying generosity, that then one might apply discipline to stabilize or navigate that is there something in that or is that more materialism? You, you know, I wouldn't any teacher, uh, any teaching person that is using that. I, I would I would trust them completely to, to use that relative way of doing that. I just don't do it. I don't I don't hook the, the I don't hook the, the par, uh, parameters together the way quite often it's done in the teachings traditionally a little bit. But basically, I think you can just do one of them. If you, if you just do patience. Uh, that they spread out into the other ones, but deliberately hooking them together uh, creates more of a linear, uh, you know, stair step kind of quality to it. And I, I, <clears throat> I'm not saying that might not be helpful for some people, but I don't promote it. I would just say whatever the first one is, stay with that one, and uh, without a particular idea of maintenance, but just uh, look at generate, look at the giving, look at the openness when someone gives. There's a tremendous, uh, vast openness space. That that to ego can feel like loss or like uh, don't you? Know, I need to have that filled up with gratitude, you know, or I need to have somebody say, "Oh, I really appreciate what you did." Uh, and it's not that we couldn't do that. Not that we couldn't say, "Thank you very much. That's very kind of you to do that." So it's not that there can't be some kind of an inter interchange. It's the fixation on it that creates the uh, the difficulty or stress. Fixation on anything is a difficulty. Not so much just. Uh, the situation in itself. Is that what I, did I track uh, accurately what you're asking about? Yes. Thank you. Certainly. Go Karen, Darlene. Go Karen. The 
Does the karma that we receive in morning meditation affect the karma that may be experienced during the day? Um, I think that everything is uh, affecting, everything is interacting all the time. And I think it's, uh, insofar as you can, observe it. And if that kind of conclusion starts to arise in order to actually uh, qualify as a question coming this direction to me, then I would say you're doing it correctly. Uh, when I say correctly, I'm saying you're doing it uh, pretty minimal. It's a minimal thing. You just notice that there's a connection between this one and that one. Observing the connections is not exactly validating or putting a stamp of approval on the connection. And connections uh, that are coming together that, that tend to tempt us or, <clears throat> or seduce us into concluding or seduce us into an opinion or sedu seduce us into uh, something we've gotten now we need to act on or do something else. Uh, so uh, just keep it very simple and just notice that something wants to connect there. Quite often what that is is just... Uh, residue or maybe uh, uh, different fabrications that are happening in the self-centered aspect of the mind that's where, where we're trying to, it's trying to get some kind of protection. If you can come up with any story about this and that, in other words, meditation on the cushion, meditation, if it can hook, hook those together somehow, um, then then that becomes more and more uh, the warp and woof of ego, the warp and woof, stretching this story into that story and creating a scrim that you can't get through, You can't that, that, that prevents you from seeing uh, the completely open dimension of your life, a com completely open dimension of your sitting practice, open dimension of your walking out the door, walking down the street, or walking into your uh, into your um, uh, into your livelihood, where you're functioning as a health worker. So, if the ego mind will hook them together, but if it does that spontaneously, just watch. Just watch. It's like it's like one book on the shelf trying to hook up with another book on the shelf. <clears throat> Doesn't actually work. Everything is depend. Everything is dependently arisen. But it, when you look at any one thing, uh, like for instance, your meditation your, on the cushion, that is just that. It hooks up to nothing. It's it's just uh, the Tibetans uh, had a name for it, rangjung. Rangjung means self-existing. It's just that. It's just that. It doesn't hook up to something else, unless you hook it up. It's like everything is, to go back to the whole idea of karma, everything is being born and dying, and born and dying moment by moment by moment by moment. Things come into existence, pass out, they appear and they disappear, appear and they disappear. This is what the practice of meditation is why it is so helpful to sit down and watch the awareness which is receiving to see how thoughts come and go and come and go and come and they pick up all kinds of pilot fish it's a good thing it's a bad thing i shouldn't be thinking that i shouldn't have thought that when i think that then this happens and that happens and when i said that to her and she said that to me then look what happens see what i did there i shouldn't have done that i should have i shouldn't i should shouldn't and there's a constant comment you think it was in you're in a damn tea factory <clears throat> It's time to do, time to do, I'll take one more question if there is one. There's a question from Marco in Rotterdam. That's a good one. Marco in Rotterdam. Is doubt because of the discomfort of the path? It can be. But uh, the attribution there isn't always going to be that way. Sometimes, uh, sometimes
sometimes that doubt uh, has an aspect to it that is actually uh, should just be included, identified as doubt. But if you if you identify it as doubt and you do nothing with it, the doubt starts to morph because nothing lasts unless you fool around with it. It's called birth and death. Everything is doing that same little number. The body is doing it in a, maybe a longer 60, 70 years or whatever. Uh, but everything else, even thought patterns are going, they're here and they're gone. They're here and they're gone. They're here and they're gone. Birth and death, birth and death, birth and death. <laughs> it's quite entertaining. I mean, even doubt uh, coming coming up. Uh, but now, if it's if if that doubt is a is a flashing, then that's uh, one thing. But if you feel like that's kind of leveling out, like somebody with a big trowel trying to pave over something with cement, you know, this is a this is the the doing of ego trying to protect itself from impermanence. So look at the doubt. See if the doubt when you practice and you and that the, whatever. Uh, experience you're having uh, over in Rotterdam, uh, whatever experience is coming up for you uh, that you're calling uh, uh, discomfort. Um, it, it's just a quality of exercise. You're exercising your awareness in, in a way that you've never done it before. You're sitting down and you're uh, practicing or you're studying the Dharma or you're, maybe you're studying with your teacher, whatever you're doing, any kind of uh, insecurity around it is a, is a, let me say it this way. It's a good sign. It's a good sign because that's how it feels for the ego to slowly release its hooks in without unhooking. I'm not saying get rid of anything, but it slowly the belief or the, the validity that is imputed of ego begins to break loose. And that breaking loose creates spaciousness. And that spaciousness, the ego immediately translates into bewilderment. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's getting worse. I'm getting worse. I'm getting worse. No, you're not. That's why you have a teacher. That's why you have a teaching, and that's why you have a sangha. So thank you for that question, and we'll go ahead and uh, dedicate the merit in the monastery. I think we have a few monks left in there, even though most of them are scattered. Thank you. 